What's up, everybody? I'm Ronan Gain, and joining me as always, my boy from Boston, Christian Nambu. Thank you for making Coast to Coast your first choice for NBA coverage. Remember, we are free and available on all platforms. You can also watch every episode in full on our YouTube channel, along with all the best hot takes from the show. Just search Coast to Coast NBA Podcast. So, Chris, we got to talk Brooklyn. But before that, a couple of a couple of big uh, one big trade and a, and a big injury ahead of the new year that we should just got to discuss briefly. Chet Holmgren is going to miss the entire season. He's going to miss his whole rookie year. And Pat Beverly is headed to the Los Angeles Lakers. What 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 do we think about Chet? How how is this going to impact him uh, further down the line? Do you think? Do we start with the hot take since you mentioned it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, we start with Chet. Um, that's just unfortunate. First and foremost, that like I really feel for the Oklahoma City Thunder fans. I mean, that one of the greatest things you have as a young team, uh, as a team that's picking in the lottery, is watching young players grow and evaluating that growth and you know hopefully this isn't something where this is not going to be one of those hot takes where he's going to have this problem throughout his whole career hopefully that's not the case and hopefully it's just the disappointment of missing out on a year of of growth and figuring out what he is but i don't know if it's a hot take to be honest looking objectively at it um you know when you there's going to be a lot of uh, internet doctors out there. You can Google the, the very specific kind of break that he had. And if you actually look it up, um, it's very interesting that, you know, a lot of the prognoses that you see for this specific type of break, uh, it's basically like the bones in your feet uh, on your toes, like they separate from one another, the, the main ones. And usually it's like a few months of recovery. So, you know, you had mentioned it, maybe they're just being careful. They're being really safe, keeping them out for the whole season, but it, does kind of cause immediate concern that they're not immediately looking at surgery, which is typically the remedy for um, more minor break of this sort. And it said exploring alternate opinions. So I, I don't know what that necessarily means. Like usually they would just go straight into surgery. So it's a little concerning that the prognosis is out for a year and no immediate surgery has been scheduled. So it's right now, it's pretty scary, to be honest. Yeah, I think the fear has definitely, definitely got to be there. It's always, an, it's, it's never a positive thing when you lose a whole year to injury, no matter what stage of your career you are at. One, one hope you just think that they're obviously being careful is they're, they're a hot prospect. They also want to be one of the teams in contention to be one of the top draft uh, drafters next season, uh, as, as a lot of other teams are. So that's probably, uh, there's probably a little bit of that to it to, as well, but. It's definitely a big blow for OKC and a big blow for NBA fans because a guy like Chet Holmgren was always going to be really fun to watch and it's disappointing we're going to have to wait at least a year before we get to see him on, on an NBA floor. That that's uh, that's definitely for sure. And what about yeah. what about Pat Beverly heading to <laughs> back to LA except this time to the Lakers? Se- seems like a, a good move and a kind of a move they kind of needed to make. Like it wasn't already awkward enough that. Russell Westbrook and LeBron James couldn't even sit next to each other on a basketball court. Now you got to introduce like the one actual NBA nemesis of Westbrook onto his own team. Like it was, it was already like such a, such a weird, like I, well, I forget the wording. It was uh, Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis and LeBron have are all committed to the rest of the season. Like it was just such a, like a lukewarm, commitments PR thing that you know didn't come from them directly it came from the Lakers PR um and 
I, I think that the Papev LeBron rivalry is is been pretty much overblown. If you if you look at their exchanges on social media and in public, that seems pretty pretty warm and cordial. Uh, but Westbrook and, and Bev do not like each other. I mean, Pat Beverly even went as far to say after Westbrook had, had said that he like doesn't do anything on the court and he's, and he, uh, what was what he was, he's, he's fooling all you guys. Pat Bev went as far to say on JJ Reddick's podcast that that like injured his career and made it and like his image in the NBA changed after that. Like there's just like, like serious, like divide between both of them, between like Pat Bev causing uh, him to tear I think he was I forget it was an MCL tear or an ACL tear um, when uh, Westbrook was on the thunder diving at his knees and they just had several on-court spats like after that so it's it that is just going to be an interesting thing to watch obviously all good things come with winning but Lakers in recent memory as of last season they're not super known for that right now so that's man I, I don't know what they're thinking with that honestly yeah, I mean, I guess uh, it's kind of move that they, they needed to make because they kind of needed to replace some of what they lost when they lost Alex Caruso. And Beverly does certainly plug elements of the gap that he left, uh, especially on the on the defensive side. And obviously he had a great year last year with the Timberwolves, and they'll be hoping that he can come in there and have a similar sort of impact. Also, it's probably thinking a bit of, it's not dead cert that Westbrook is with this team this year. Obviously they're planning it like, they're going on. Oh, he's gonna. He's definitely gonna be here. He's part of the plans and everything. But we all know that the Lakers are always willing to make moves. And if anyone's getting moved off this Lakers uh, team, it's gonna be Russell Westbrook. So I guess they're thinking if they're playing together, they can just make peace. They're their teammates now. They got to put the past behind them. And they're also thinking there's a there's a chance that we might not even have Russell Westbrook on the roster when we actually get to to training camp and maybe uh, it, to the key part of the season. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely there's two things that I, I think you're absolutely right. It's like obviously you're replacing Caruso um, on his. I mean, I I will not uh, sit here and compare them on in terms of like how good they are on ball defense. I think Caruso is far superior on ball defender than Pat Bev. Pat Bev is very 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 good defense uh, on ball defender, but um, he's not going to replace that entirely. But I think what he does replace, and you did see this in Minnesota for sure. You've seen this on every team that he's on, is that his intensity and like his just his spirit and you see these things with some players that when they step on the court with just that that spirit that they have of playing that forces other players to either you follow them or it's pretty obvious that you're not trying and that's i mean that, that's a problem that's a problem with the lakers that that they just didn't have that defensive identity and if they want to bring that here they want to actually change um they need guys like that so it does make sense i i, I get that um then the second part of it is again back to the Russ um, and Beverly relationship. You know, you bring him there to to force other guys to play defense, to commit to that end of the floor. Both of them offensively are kind of playing the same position. Um, and another part of this is one: is Pat Bev going to inspire Russell Westbrook to play defense? Is he going to call out Westbrook because he's volatile? Volatile. You don't know what he's going to say, when he's going to say it, if he's going to follow PR or whatever. He, like, he might come out of the media and be like, yeah, like, our, our other point guard on the team should be playing deep, something like that. You don't know. And that's just going to cause even more problems if they're on a losing streak. Or two, imagine the media attention that's going to come about if you you start looking at the lineups, you start looking at the data, and it's pretty obvious that the Lakers are better with Pat Bev on the floor 
with Anthony Davis, with LeBron James, then Russell Westbrook. And that's just going to be a tremendously awkward situation to figure out when you already have a guy, Russell Westbrook, who, again, like I got to give an asterisk every time. I'd love this player. I think on other teams, he's been fantastic, but just realistically should not be in the starting lineup with this team. Yeah, I totally agree. I think yeah, Lakers, they're, they're taking a risk here, but it could work out really well for them or it could come back to bite them. But it's kind of a risk that they they had to take. Yeah. Moving Moving on, Brooklyn Nets. Everything's happy and rosy again. The whole <laughs> the whole squad is moving towards winning that championship. Are we believe are we buying in that everything's just happy go lucky again? They're they're all they're all committed to the same cause. I mean, at the start of the month, KD met with Joe Sai and said, I still want out, or else you have to fire Steve Nash and fire Sean Marks. And now they had their meeting in Los Angeles there on Monday and Everyone's happy. They're all committed to to going and winning that title again. Are, are we buying into that? Everything is just hunky dory again. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> is anybody? Yeah. Is anybody like? I, I don't think. I don't think anyone's gonna buy that. Like, uh, things are gonna be fine. But I, I think it's it's pretty clear that you know when when the typical phrase of you know it's business. Is, is used. I mean, I think that applies here. It's business. Business determined that there wasn't a market that worked out for both parties. And that's that's the thing when it comes to these kind of leaks. Um, when that whole thing came out about Steve Nash um, and Sean Marks being on the, the chopping block for, for Durant to stay, that, that was a very that was a very interesting period of time because I don't I don't think I've ever seen a very explicit you know demand like that like fire the coach fire the GM like obviously that those things those conversations happen we know this but for that to be made public like that um <laughs> that was that was bad I mean how, how do you how do you remedy that yeah yeah Sean we're cool now right yeah it's all good like <laughs> yeah Steve go ahead and call some plays but you know I, I might ask to have you fired later like you just don't go back from that you don't ever go back from that you know, and people like are using the analogy of, you know, breakups that, that go back and maybe they, they settle and they, they make things work out, but this isn't a breakup. Like, like Durant basically like filed for a divorce and the government said, no, <laughs> like that, that would be, that would be the equivalent. So hunky dory happy. I, no, I don't think so. I think that, I think this is going to always be an issue and there's only one path forward. And if not, I don't even know. It, it's, it will continue to get weird. Probably knowing Kyrie, knowing Durant, knowing Simmons, knowing this whole situation. Yeah, it's 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 uh, certainly on a knife edge just to think of some of the personalities they have within the roster and what we believe to have gone on behind the scenes. They're kind of like, there's no way that everything can just come together and, and work out now. Like, is is there a pathway to just see all things are just going to come together now and they go and they succeed? I mean, they we should be thinking that way because there's so much talent within, within this team. But as I said to you, when we were texting yesterday, it, something always seems to come up to throw the team out of whack every season that uh, since uh, KD and Kyrie joined. And you're just kind of wondering what's it going to be this year? Obviously all the, all the problems we've seen that uh, throughout the off season, but something just seems like it's going to have to happen to, to throw the team off course. But, 
speaking non-hypothetical and just what they have and what we can see on paper, a really talented roster and one that could absolutely and should absolutely be considered a favourite for the title and a favourite for being in the top of the East. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. And and that's, I, that is the answer to the path forward. Like just being a basketball team, if this team can just literally be a basketball team and obviously that comes with health um, it comes and with that health comes continuity and being able to work out chemistry on the court, um, especially with a guy like Simmons. And I don't mean that as um, a point of, you know, a, disrespect or anything like that it's it's the fact that he's a specific kind of player um there's specific kind of players on this team that need time together to work that out um but just look at what they had last year without everything coming into focus um you'd be surprised to know that they were top 10 in points per game assists per game three point percentage and actually fast breaks points per game that actually shocked me i wasn't aware of that but you get guys, it makes sense when you think about it, you get guys like Bruce Brown out there who's no longer on this team, but Nick Claxton, they, they have young guys out there that can run the floor. You have guys like Cam Thomas, Castle Edwards. Um, and I think that there's already a formula here when you start to look at this roster that will work. So if we just look at some of the things that they're bad at, <laughs> obviously defense, um, which wasn't actually as bad as you think. If you were to guess right now, I, I don't know if you have the numbers in front of you, in terms of defensive rating, where do you think they would rank? 20? 10th worst. So you were actually on the money. Yeah. Right on the money. Road <laughs> in game. Rain man of the NBA. Perfect. Yeah, they're, they're right on the money. They're 10th worst in defensive rating. Fourth worst in, in uh, opposing fast rate points per game. And they allowed the third most offensive rebounds, clearly the three worst parts of their game. They haven't really patched up the rebounding situation. Um, but I think you you bring in a guy like Royce O'Neal, I, I think he's he's a fine defender. Does that fix your defense in the fast break? I think that's more of a Steve Nash thing to figure out. Um, but the defensive rating for 10th worst, call me crazy, but I think for a team that I thought would have been like bottom five, that's fine. And I think it'll get a lot better. I mean, I think that'll honestly get a lot better with just Ben Simmons literally being on the court, like not even optimizing what they can do defensively with him there, but just him being there and healthy on the court. I think that should improve. And I think that automatically should make things better. Yeah, yeah, no, I think I'd have to agree. I mean, you, you look, look at Ben Simmons. I mean, obviously we all know about the, the criticisms people have him about not having his shot and all that, but this is a guy who's 6'11", 240 pounds, one of the most versatile defenders in the league, two-time all-defensive first team in his in his young career. Like you already think he's he's missed a full two full seasons so far in, in his short career, but he's out, got uh, all-star nods, all NBA selections, all defensive. When he's on the floor, he can have the a really, really great impact. And within this roster, as it stands. I think it's so suited for him to really succeed and show show the best version of himself. There's been rumors that they're going to start him at the five this year. And you think that could be him playing with Durant, Harris, Curry, Irving. I mean, not having a shot. That's 
no problem there, Ben. You don't need to shoot at all because you have four of the best shooters in the entire league playing alongside you. And uh, you think of like TJ Warren, O'Neal and Mills coming off the bench. Yeah, I think I think your shot is going to be okay because you won't ever have to use it. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely the point. And the, you know, with the issue of rebounding, the, the problem they have is they don't have like a uh, center that's anchoring this team. Um, we'll get to Claxton in a minute, but you know, Simmons can constantly play the five without having to worry about, um, honestly, Embiid. You, you won't have to worry about having a player who needs touches in the post, uh, except for Durant. I mean, and that's something that they that they can work out. I mean, that that's, again, a thing for Nash to, to figure out. But, you know, Durant will have his healthy amount of, of mid-post touches like Embiid does, but not to the not to the extreme that you need to feed Embiid in that way. And Simmons will have the opportunity to do what he does best. And it's to, I, I think when you, when you looked at the time that he had away from Embiid is to play making the short role, to be a rim runner and to play defense, play in the open court and offense will come to him naturally because you have creators like Kyrie, like Durant. If you are putting him alongside those guys, there's going to be a lot of offense from be had just off of cuts, just off of screening. And if he, and you saw him embrace that in the time that, and beat is gone. So I don't think there's a question that, oh, will he embrace that role? I, I think that's been, that's been demonstrated already. Um, and we can talk about the lineups here now. And you mentioned, I, I actually think, do, do you think they're going to go like just full shooting there? Because um, I'll, I'll put this out there. Um, even though there wasn't a ton of minutes to prove this, I think it was only 135 minutes, but Kyrie and Durant alongside Curry, Brown and Drummond had a 118.9 offensive rating it was tremendously good um but defensively they had 117.4 defensive rating which probably would put them like dead last um so obviously you throw in simmons instead of drummond um but i think they'd probably want to start royce o'neill i think having um royce o'neill and simmons out there with durant i mean durant in and of himself he's a great defender as well does not get enough credit for being a good defender. Um, having Royce O'Neal, Durant, and Simmons out there gives you three elite. Mm, I don't know if I want to say elite for O'Neal. I mean, O'Neal's a good defender. I think he gets a little, he's a little overrated in that department, but he's a good defender. We have three, two of them, amazing defenders, one good defender. And I think that's going to give you, I think that's going to be their best net rating lineup and should be their starting lineup. Kyrie, Harris, O'Neal, Durant, and Simmons. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think uh, even it's possible we could see Curry in the start season just because Harris is obviously still coming coming off the back of uh, yeah. missing pretty Do we know much all of last year. Um, is, he, is he fully healthy now? Looking at things, it doesn't seem to have any any word that he's not going to be ready to go for training camp. I mean, I think there's mm-hmm. still more talk about possible injury for Simmons uh, over Harris at, at the moment yeah. than what I'm seeing anyway. Yeah, so, I mean, like it's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see what way they if they try to kind of ease him back in. I guess if he's there from training camp, I guess they don't really need to because he's gonna have the preseason games and that, so he should should be able to go. But it's gonna be interesting to see what way they try to configure the offense. Because I mean, you think of it with Curry or either Curry or Harris coming off the bench, it's some deadly shooting alongside the uh, Mills and TJ Warren. Obviously, we haven't seen him play in what two two years, pretty much. It, yeah, like he was used like the the bubble MVP, how good he was there. 
just the, the injuries definitely have derailed what uh what promise we we saw there which is just another parable of not looking too far into stretches of of greatness because you know these are the best players on earth they can have months two months of being amazing and it's not really indicative of what they're going to be but i think tj warren definitely is going to be a great addition um but just on that i i think i think one thing specifically for you know, if you're a nets fan you're thinking about like what what the team is going to look like um i think you'd want joe harris to be in the starting lineup like you you want he's going to bring the same sort of spot up and movement shooting that Seth Curry is going to bring. I mean, it's insane that you get to elite, like arguably top five, three point shooters in the game um, on the same team, especially when you already got Durant and Kyrie. I mean, everyone needs to take a second and be like, wait, the three point shooting potential here is insane because they were top five, three point percentage last year, but they're bottom 10 and three points uh, shots attempted. That's because they didn't really have a lot of shooters. Joe Harris was hurt. Um, so many, so many clunky lineups last year, if you look at it. Um, but you look at Seth Curry, what he does beyond Harris is he proved last season that he's an on-ball creator as well. Like he can run an offense a bit. You know, he's not a starting point guard, but I think as a backup point guard, he's the kind of guy that's starting to step further into his role on a contending team. You saw him have that two-man game with both Harris and Embiid last year. And I think he can do that in the second unit. Definitely see what he can do with uh, Claxton see what he can do with Simmons, even, even Durant out there. You can, Durant can obviously meld to any of these roles, but um, empowering a guy like that, I think will maximize what he can do for this team. Yeah. So it's also going to be interesting to see how they fare. Cause there is going to be a lot of, a lot of mouths to feed on this, um, on this next team. So it's going to be interesting to see how it works. Obviously Curry, Harris, Mills, Warren, O'Neill, they've all been pretty, very efficient, but also pretty decent volume three-point shooters. And you also have to get Simmons is going to have his, his shots, his Durant, Irving. If they're able to figure it out, I mean, I'm, I'm scared. I mean, what, watch out. This day. It could just be unbelievable. It, it Steve Nash can figure out how to keep everyone happy and and keep this sort of efficient level of scoring that we've seen from the from the likes of all of them, really. I mean... Irving and Durant, they're they're obviously on a different level in terms of points per game and that, but they're also highly efficient. They're both guys who have had 50, 40, 90 uh, seasons, which is just insane to to think of. I mean, this all coming together for this team, it, it's scary what they could do in terms of offense and de- the defense will be at, at a level that's definitely contender worthy, but the offense could just take it, take things to a scary, scary level. One of the best we could see in years, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And when you're talking about mouths of feed, I think that's, there's, there's two different iterations of that problem. And one is you have a lot of, you have a lot of on-ball creators. You have a lot of guys uh, who um, not just want the ball, but need the ball in their hands. And also, you have guys who want to prove something you got young guys or, or ascending stars. And, you know, they, they need to increase their production, whether that's contract year or just they're standing in the NBA. But I think the Nets uniquely don't have that problem. They, when it comes to mouse defeat, they have guys who can do something with a ball with or without it. And it's just a matter of, you know, it's a matter of, you know, when do they get their shots? How do they get their shots? And, and what kind of sets are they using? And it's not a matter of ego. Like actually you look at this team and, their third star, um, 
<laughs> I think some people will be like stars. Ben Simmons still a star. I, I'm still going to ride that until I see him play a full season and all of a sudden not be that because he's been that in every full season he's played. But your third star doesn't <laughs> he doesn't want to shoot. So that's not really a problem. I mean, his offense is going to come, I think, fully through the flow that's created by Kyrie, that's created by Durant, that's created by the movement shooting of Harris, of Curry. And you, you got and, – and if you have a worry, like if you – if you got guys on the floor like Simmons, Claxton, Royce O'Neal, Harris, guys who aren't really going to shoot a lot on their own, TJ Warren has shown that he can do that in, in moments. So, like, TJ Warren isn't going to have to become bubble TJ Warren. Maybe he has a game or two here. Like, you, they have guys that they can go to. Okay, does TJ Warren have it this game? Maybe he doesn't. Maybe Cam Thomas does. He's a young guy that obviously is well-documented, likes to shoot. I, maybe it's a little overblown because, you know, that, that's just who he is. I mean, he's, he's a bucket. Like he goes out there, knows how to get to his spot, and he looks like he's continuing to refine his game. Um, and I want to talk about these guys because I think these are the major X factors. The major X factors, I think, can be growth from some of these guys on this team. Because I really do believe that health, health is an obvious thing. I mean, we can talk about that if you want, but it, it seems obvious that if Kyrie's healthy, if Durant is healthy, if Simmons is healthy, then things will start to mesh. And I think we, we, can, we can assume that they're going to miss games. I mean, Kyrie notoriously misses games with or without COVID. Um, Durant missed, I think it was yeah, 27 games last year. And Simmons just starting three-on-three work, so they're going to miss games. But what about the other guys? Are you, are you intrigued by some growth or maybe a new opportunity for other players to kind of step into a bigger role or contribute more than they have before? I think, yeah, I think Cam Thomas is the interesting one. He's a guy that you mentioned a lot last year. It's going to be interesting to see what sort of role he – he is given and what sort of role he's he's gonna have to earn uh, within this roster, but he could definitely become a really really important part of the second unit. And then you think about Nick Claxton, uh, especially with Simmons likely to to miss some games and maybe not be ready for the start of the season. He's probably gonna have to start a lot of games. Can he continue that upward trend that we keep seeing year on year? He's he could he could really prove a difference maker for the team this year. Oh yeah, I, I, I'm I'm really curious for him because, like you mentioned, he does get incrementally better every year with, with the more with more touches, with more minutes. And I mean, yes, the Nets got swept last year, but you know, Claxton was actually one of the bright spots of that series. Like he looked like he belonged. That was one thing I definitely noticed, and I remembered is that on the floor he looked comfortable at all times in a playoff series, and that's huge for a third year player. Um, that he doesn't look like a young guy anymore. Like it started to feel like that came into focus. And he was averaging 10.5 points, 6.3 rebounds, 2.3 blocks, 1.3 steals. And th- those obviously the points aren't jumping off the page, but in terms of his activity, you know, that that speaks to where he is on the floor. He's, he can constantly switch, you play in the drop, and he's got the the speed and the quickness to play anywhere on the court defensively. And that's again, that's something where you have Simmons, if you get more growth from Claxton, how much better is our defense going to be in the front court? And I think it could get a lot better with him. And with Cam Thomas, I mean, you don't need him to be like a, a starter level player. You, you need a guy who can be a spark plug off the bench. And summer league, how much are we going to take away from it? But what can you take away? I think you can take away, again, the difference that you see between um, levels of players. Cam Thomas looks like a guy who didn't belong in summer league 
he was averaging 27 points per game. <laughs> he was he was shooting 20 attempts per game. But like in, in the moments he was there, I mean, he would just get wherever he wanted at any moment in time. And I think when you're featuring lineups with, you know, like like Ben Simmons, I don't think it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem if you're throwing Cam Thomas out there with Durant and with uh, with Kyrie. Because it's like, okay, if you need someone to get a bucket, then you kind of go to those guys who you're going to rely on. But you get guys like Simmons, Royce O'Neal, you, you run more defensive-minded units that can space the floor too. Then it makes a little bit more sense to let Cam Thomas get his shots up and continue to grow into more of a spark plug guy. And Ben Simmons, a guy who can keep that afloat and also orchestrate more offense in the, the full court. I mean, th- there's just more opportunities for these guys with the way that this roster is actually, ironically, better balanced after losing Harden, I think. Uh, in a way that could empower some of these younger guys to not take a step as like another star, but take another step as a, a meaningful contributor. And I, I want to give this, this analogy that um, you look at the Miami heat, you look at, they, they have obviously the, their core of Lowry of Adebayo of Butler, but really what made them special last season was how many contributing players they had. It was those other guys that levied everything and that their floor was raised at all times. Like their ceiling raised was still there when they were healthy, but their floor was raised because the rotational players fit that system. Um, and I think you wanted to talk about this. And I think that comes down to Steve Nash. Like wh- where do we see Steve Nash after the season? And I think it's going to come down to guys like Claxton, guys like Cam Thomas, Kessler Edwards. How are these guys going to perform and how are they going to develop into meaningful players on this team? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, I mean, let's be real here. Uh, if what we've heard about Durant wanting wanting Steve Nash to be fired are true, even though they're coming back and they're they're saying they're all moving towards the same goal now, Steve Nash is under a huge amount of pressure to deliver. Yeah. He's really got to work hard and step up. I think anytime they lose a game or two, people are going to start calling for his head. People are going to start questioning how things are going. So he's just going to be under constant pressure. He's going to be under a microscope all year, especially from the media and maybe from the hierarchy uh, within within Brooklyn as well. So, I mean, I've often questioned Steve Nash as a coach and apparently Kevin Durant agrees with me, but I don't know about that. (laughs) But uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. You always say that the best comes out in you when you're put under, when you're put under that bit of pressure. It's going to be really cool to see if, if Steve Nash can, can do that this year. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what do we, uh, what do we think about uh, the rest of the team? Anybody else we didn't mention? I, I want to think about Kessel. I want to give him a shout, shout out. Uh, I only mentioned him, but um, I think if you're a Nets fan, you know, this name, you know, this guy, but I don't think the rest of the NBA is going to know him, even if he does well this season, because that's, that's another guy who, Showed a lot defensively last year, very versatile, and a guy alongside uh, Joe Harris, Seth Curry. He's going to help buoy that defense, even when they got smaller, more diminutive guards out there, guys who aren't really known for their defense. He's a guy that I think that can that can develop this year. And um, yeah, I, I think when we when we look at this team, when we look up and down, we actually think about okay, well, what's what's going to what's going to make them a championship caliber team. Cause that's what this all matters about. Not, not just to win a championship, obviously, but to keep what they've built here. I mean, they, they've went all in from being this really fun Nets team to being 
team with two superstars, three superstars. And can they hold on to Durant? How can they hold on to Irving? It's it's about perpetuity. Like they, if they just lose Durant next season, if, if things go downhill, it wasn't about losing a championship. It's about losing so much opportunity because you sent out all those picks, like you mortgaged everything and you're going to go back into another dark age of having to regain all those assets. And we've already seen that the market's really tough to, to try and recoup that. So this is not just about whether they win a championship or the Durant championship. Like this is, this is for everything for this franchise right now. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, obviously it's gone from in a, in a week, it's gone from a, a just looking like a huge mess to back to, everything's fine, but this still feels kind of like it's looking like a bit of a one and done sort of situation because Kyrie Irving, this is his last year. I mean, I don't know if there's any sort of situation where they feel that they want to offer him a, a long contract uh, next summer, given the, the problems that they've had mainly off the court since, since he's arrived, then you're thinking if they don't win everything, is does that mean KD is just going to be the same spot next year, with with one less year on his contract? So maybe it makes it a bit more uh, realistic uh, in the trade market. And then it's just so many question marks still within this team. In my head, I'm still thinking right now this is a this is a this is a final chance for this for this roster. But even without the two lead stars, who they obviously need to win a championship. Even if they were to lose them both next year, I think they'd still be in a in a good position with what they have around the around those guys at the moment. Yeah, and you you mentioning that I'm already like thinking like, who has cap space in 2023? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's always it's always a moving target for Kyrie, but no, I think at the end of the day, I'm, I am excited for this team. It, when we actually got healthy, Kyrie and Durant on the same court together. No matter, like literally, no matter who else was around, I mentioned how clunky of a fit it was. Just look at the lineups they had to put out there last season. They had just no spacing to work with. And now that they do, I mean, this should be a really fun team to watch. And uh, do you have to, we, we did this for every other team, even though we didn't, <laughs> I don't even think we did a great job of that either. Cause like for, for, for teams like the Heat, it's like, oh yeah, they, they could be the first seed or the seventh. And it's such a wide target to hit. But, for the Nets, I think it's the same thing, right? It's because X Factor is health. The X Factor is everything meshing together and everyone seeing Kumbaya and Simmons not leaving group chats and stuff. So who <laughs> who knows? Maybe they're maybe they're the champion, maybe they're on the outside looking in. But I, I can't see this not being a playoff lock team. And I feel like I've said that beyond the six teams that will be playoff locks. And again, this Eastern Conference is tough, man. I I don't know how professional journalists are going to put their actual money where their mouth is and make these sort of predictions because it's it's tough. It is tough, but I mean, it, it, it's failure for this team if they are not a lock for the play uh, for the playoffs. They should be. Yeah, I agree. They should be a top four seed without doubt. And if they're there, if they're even in their if the in the play in again, it, it'll be a really the bit of a disastrous season, really. But I mean. Just look what they have. The last full season Kyrie played, he averaged 27, 5, and 6, 50, 40, 90. Last season, Durant, 37 and 6 on just nearly 50, 40, 90 efficiency. They have two scoring superstars. They have some of the best three-point shooters 
in the league on their team outside of those two guys. They have a potentially elite defensive block in Ben Simmons. It's it's gonna it has to come together or else or else it's a failure. I mean, it's yeah. it's championship or bust. It's it's that sort of it's that sort of level. And I think if it's anything to go by, uh, Woj made this uh, little comparison. He's saying that uh, the Durant uh, situation played out like Kobe back in 2007 mm. after he demanded his trade. He was critical of the GM and Andrew Bynum saying they should have traded him. He ended up staying. He won the MVP and the team reached the NBA final. So if it's going to continue on that trend, Nets fans, I think I think you got something to be excited about. <laughs> who would uh so that we can preview our western conference who would then be the uh the equivalent western conference uh celtics <laughs> yeah you, you want to say the clippers but you don't really know do you <laughs> oh yeah. yeah 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 actually kind of cobbled together oh god i can't wait i, I can't wait to talk about western cars that's just going to be equally fascinating to talk about um yeah the, another team that we haven't seen really at full strength and will definitely be there. But yeah, man, I, I, I got to agree with you. And you hedge your bet perfectly because we'll predict them to be in the top six. And if they're not, then it's their fault, not ours. It's not our fault as, as basketball people. It's, it's their fault. <laughs> Absolutely. One, one big thing I almost thought about with the Nets is they're bringing back the old Stars and Stripes uh, classic jersey for this season. And it looks awesome. So I'm excited to watch them play in that jersey. They deserve to succeed in such a, in such a nice new gear, but uh, I you like those that, ones? Yeah, I'm, I'm a fan. I, I like it. Oh man, I don't know. Man. Wait, is is it like the is it like the light blue? Like no, no, light no, blue no, 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 not no. It's it's like all white and then a couple of stars on it. Look it up. Look it up. It, it it's a it's a it's a nice gear. It's a nice gear. All right, I, I gotta check because I, I really did like the uh the white and black Brooklyn. Like they they had some of the freshest jerseys. I thought it's it's not like the. It's not like the New Jersey Nets are we talking, right? Well, it would be because that was when the Jersey's from, but it's not. It's not as kind of in your face. I would. I would argue. <laughs> okay, uh, I'll take. I'll take a look at it. Okay, the it looks like a Team USA jersey. It. That, hey, that, they, I mean, if that, they can succeed like Team USA, then and it'll be all right, right? Huh? <laughs> Man, I, all right. I will say this uh, off uh, a little off about. Uh, about jerseys in general, I feel like the the jerseys are starting to go downhill across the NBA. I I don't like this jersey, and it it, it feel it has very like uh, 2023 Utah Jazz to me, like just very overly simple, like over oversimplification of everything. I, I need some uh, I need some camo jerseys. I, I need some some tie dye. I don't know. I need some flair or something. We we got the coolest we got the coolest designers like associated with the NBA, and this is what we came up with. Come on, man. <laughs> all right well uh, i think that's gonna do it for today's episode then uh the, chris doesn't like the nets new jersey he's disappointed with jerseys all over let, let let us let us know what you think um thank you all for listening i'm rona gain you can find me over on twitter at or underscore gain nba and i'm chris nabu thanks for joining us again you can find me at uh on twitter just like chris nabu i uh, will try to throw out as many hot takes as i can but uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Another episode of Coast to Coast. Yes, thank you all for listening. And if you like what you're hearing, please make sure to subscribe and follow us on your favorite social media channels. From Twitter to TikTok, we are everywhere at Coast to Coast NBA. And remember, take every shot and love every moment. <laughs>